Hi, this is Mac of MaxList. Find Your Dream Job is presented by MaxList, an online community where you can find free resources for your job search, plus online courses and books that help you advance your career. My latest book is called Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. It's a reference guide for your career that covers all aspects of the job search, including expert advice in every chapter. You can get the first chapter for free by visiting maxlist.org slash anywhere. This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of MaxList. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Becky Thomas and Jessica Black from the MaxList team. This week, we're talking about why you need a portfolio career and how you can do it. Many of us may plan to spend our careers working for one employer at a time. But one day soon, full-time jobs may become the exception, not the rule. Author Charles Handley estimates that in a few years, less than 50% of the workforce in the industrialized world will have full-time jobs. Our guest expert this week is Anne Pryor. She says one way to prepare for this new era of part-time work is to have a portfolio career. Anne and I talk later in the show about the benefits of portfolio careers and how you can do it. If you've been in the workplace for a while, you've heard about the gig economy. You've also seen freelance work grow in importance. Becky's found an article that looks at the future of these temporary and part-time positions. It says that even CEOs and other senior jobs may soon get filled by gig workers. And you can expect new companies to help you find and get these jobs. Becky tells us more in a moment. You're laid off from your job. And while you look for a permanent position, you take part-time assignments. Should you list every one of these gigs? Or will you look like someone who jumps from job to job? That's our question of the week. It comes from listener Kathy Reese in Portland, Oregon. Jessica shares her advice shortly. As always, uh, let's check in with the MaxList team. And every week, Becky, you're out there uh, poking around the internet, just like Ben used to, looking for <laughs> websites, books, and tools our listeners can use in a job search and in their careers. So what have you uncovered for our listeners this week? So this week's resource has pretty good alignment with the topic that you'll be talking about with Anne today. Um, I feel like if you've been sort of awake and aware in the professional world over the past couple of decades, you know that the nature of work is changing. You've heard terms like gig economy, and you probably know a few freelancers within your own professional circle. This week, I want to share an article that dives deep into the short-term on-demand labor market and the ways that this freelance economy is pushing even the highest level of businesses to transform. So it's an article from TechCrunch's Danny Crichton called, Shortly, Even the CEO Will Be outsourced to an online labor marketplace. So Creighton says that we're on the verge of a new reality where companies can rent out CEOs by the hour. 
It might sound outlandish, but I feel like he frames this assertion with an analysis of how work has evolved over the past decade in a few key stages driven by the growth and ubiquity of the internet. So that sort of broke it down in a way that really made sense to me and made it really interesting um, and sort of it made sense. So first we had the sort of free-for-all online marketplace led by Craigslist and other job boards where anyone and everyone could post about who they wanted to hire, offer themselves up for hire, you know, anything that tickles your fancy, right? So Crichton writes, these were marketplaces built around serendipity with almost no guidance from the platform on what to charge, what to, what to charge, how to charge, or how to find the best talent for a particular project. So this was sort of the first step is the, the internet was really, you know, still new um, and it was just everything was out there. Um, next, people started realizing that there were tasks that could be organized around more specific needs. So apps and websites followed the Ubers of the world into more clearly defined narrow roles. So hourly manual labor could be found on apps like TaskRabbit and the customers could purchase like set services for a set rate. So TaskRabbit would guarantee that the job would get done. And this was great for really simple tasks. So Crichton says, that regularization became the product itself. Suddenly, the free-for-all marketplace became a tight menu of options with standardized pricing and rating systems. Even more importantly, the identities of the workers themselves are often shielded from the customer on these platforms. You are buying the company's brand of quality, not the workers' guarantee that they can do the job. So that's sort of the second phase. Now, new companies are evolving to merge the idea of a set menu of work products with the complexity of professional level work. So there are a bunch of startups with names like Clora and Pero, and they're launching products that l pair really industry-specific professionals with customers who need that expertise. So for example, Clora works with life sciences professionals who can be hired out to launch new medicines and treatments and stuff like that. So in this phase, the, professionals, the professional has a lot more responsibility for the satisfaction of the customer, and that satisfaction is a lot less black and white. We all know that like, success can mean a lot of different things to different people in business settings. So Crichton says that designing these online platforms is, bit, uh, is really important to be user-friendly. He's writing, uh, these newer marketplaces understand that professional work is often ambiguous and hard to judge for quality, and has built key product features to handle those challenges. So we're entering brave new world territory. <laughs> but as I say, whenever I share a future-focused article, I think it's just essential for today's professionals to understand what's out there and what's coming up. Mm -hmm. So if you're on the job hunt, you may already be pursuing short-term and consulting gigs, and this article can show you new avenues to get hired. If you're only thinking about full-time salaried work, there's still plenty of opportunities to get those jobs, I think, but know that other options are out there, and this is a growing and evolving part of the working world. So a really interesting article, and I will link to it in the show notes. Yeah, really interesting. Um, I think your, your comment at the end of um, just the more we can share about how things are changing. Cause I do think it's, it's not immediate that this is going to be the norm, but mm -hmm. it's coming and it's sort of like, we've already seen some inklings of, of this happening. And so um, just the more that people can position themselves well is, is great. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. And what was striking to me when I was thinking about this and looking at the article mm -hmm. too, Becky was, 40 years ago, there was an expectation that you would go to one employer and stay there for mm -hmm. yeah. 15, 20, 25 years. Yeah. And so you'd stick with one company. Uh, today, I think most people think they're going to stay in 
they're going to have a series of permanent jobs yeah. mm-hmm. that might exactly. last three, five, ten years. And so at the end of 40 years, they might have had seven or eight positions. Mm-hmm. But th- what I'm hearing him lay out and, and you talk about is this, the new trend is you're going to have a variety of different jobs mm-hmm. at, at once. And yeah. you've got to be prepared for that. Right. Yeah. It might not even be those full-time jobs that last for years. It's sort of short-term projects. And I already have people in my network that are doing just that, you know? So I think that's definitely the next phase that's going to become more and more common. Yeah. yeah. And I know Anne is going to talk about that because yeah. one way of approaching that uh, the, this trend is, is portfolio careers yeah, and yeah. juggling a lot of different right. balls at once. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to hear what she has to say about that. Yeah, it's going to be too. interesting. I am too. Well, thank you, Becky. Now let's turn to you, Jessica, because you've been poking around the Maximalist mailbag uh, as you do every week, and you've pulled a message out of the bag to, for, us to, for you to answer. Who, who did, uh, whose letter did you pick this week? This week we have a question from Kathy Reese here in Portland. And it's, it's also sort of in the same vein of what we're talking about in terms of um, part-time work and how to position yourself when you do take on part-time work and sort of looking for that next full-time gig. Um, so Kathy's question is, is it better to list or not list some part-time jobs that I have had since I was laid off in July? I don't want to look like I am someone who jumps from job to job. So this is, again, a great question, and I um, I think it really ties in well with what Anne is going to talk about with portfolio careers, and so um, I'm really excited for Kathy to be able to hear that portion of the interview as well. But in terms of what um, my feedback would be for Kathy is I think that you definitely want to list your jobs because you want to make sure that you um, are demonstrating that you don't have a gap in your your um, experience from when you were laid off. And um, I don't know what type of part-time jobs these are that Kathy has taken on, if they do sort of re- um, tie back into her her main career goals. Um, but even if they don't, I still think that that's relevant because you can, we've talked about this a lot and I'm a big advocate for um, sort of the, the well-roundedness that you can bring to an, an, an organization is really huge. So um, I would definitely list all of those, um, and I would make sure that you are explaining how they do tie into your career, um, your career, your ultimate career goals. Um, so again, even if they're not directly related, they can't. There's always ways that you can showcase that they, it's relevant to the your end goals. Um, and also, you know, just staying active and it's part of the networking process of, of getting out there and doing work while you're looking for that next, um, long-term job. And I think it's, I think it's definitely okay to, to say that, um, you know, these were in between jobs while you're looking for your next career. Um, although I wouldn't list that on your resume or your LinkedIn, but you can use that as an explanation in the interview. Uh, but in terms of when you do list things in written form with these part-time jobs, um, I would I would make sure that you um, are stating that they are intentionally short part-time gigs, so that um, it's it's not meant to be. Uh, I think basically the concern of job hopping is very valid in this case and in any case. Um, but to be able to explain that, I think that. Um, 
it's you can just say this was a, sh- a short-term contract or you can make some sort of explanation that it wasn't meant to be a long-term full-time position that you were going to take forever and then you only le- you had for six months because um, that can be clearly identified and, and all employers will understand that kind of language of if it was intentionally very short-term. Um, you could also, if, if these part-time jobs do sort of fall into your overall career goals, um, you could lump them in as um, kind of list yourself as a type of consultant um, and then uh, and then break those out underneath that consultancy um, position, basically, that you were taking on these part-time jobs, you know, again, as short contracts, but as a consultant. So you were lending your services to these organizations. Again, that's dependent on um, what types of jobs they are. But, um, but those are, those are my sort of um, pieces of feedback. I do think, as we talked about just a second ago, I do think that it is more common for people to sort of do multiple things. Um, And again, hopefully these jobs that you've taken are um, maybe not your end goal, but something that can help you in your um, pursuit of your next job. And so you can explain how these short-term gigs, whether it's um, consulting or whether it's just advancement of skills and just continuation of skills um, are, are kind of moving you forward in that. So I'd love to hear what you guys think. Well, number one, I'm, I'm, um, I'd love to hear what you guys think. And then I can't wait, like I said, to hear what Anne has to say about it. But you still want to hear what we have to say. Absolutely. It's not just all about Anne, right? Or the no, co-host. No, I, <laughs> I want you guys to weigh in as well. Jump you, in, I Becky. Mean, well, diverse I, perspectives are always important. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I agree with everything you said. I was trying to think of something to add to that. <laughs> um, maybe just sort of the tactical piece. You mentioned sort of how to speak to the fact that these were part-time or short-term gigs. And I think that it's easy enough to explain that in like the one sentence description of the job Mm -hmm. on your resume. And then in your cover letter, when you're applying for a job, be like, after I left my last full-time position at X, I was excited to engage in multiple opportunities, you know, in the meantime or whatever. So that sort of like gives it more context. But yeah, I think that that should get her on the, on the right track. I'm glad you said that. I think that's a great way to, um, to both list it on a resume, but also explain, give a little bit more context before you get to that interview stage mm-hmm. to, to let yeah. people know exactly what your intentions were. And you were. have to go deep deep beyond like a sentence or two in your cover letter yeah. just to let them know sort of where you're, where you're at, where you're positioning. Yeah, and I think employers understand that, you know, people need to make ends meet and, um, and that part-time jobs in the interim are necessary to just get by and pay your bills and mm-hmm. keep things going. And so if, again, yeah. if you just provide that context, I think that would go a long way. Yeah. I, I think you covered it, Jessica. One way I've seen people apply your advice on LinkedIn, because I look at a lot of LinkedIn profiles, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, as you know, is they will list that part-time job. And then as you suggest, put in parentheses, contractor. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you see a series of those, you don't think job hopper. You think, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this is somebody who is doing relevant work or paying their bills or both. Mm-hmm. And and they left because it was a contract position. Right, yeah. right. And it does um, convey that intentionality rather than, you know, you took took on a position and then six months later you decided to leave because that's very different in the mind of the employer and for you as well. So I think that that's, that's really beneficial. Great. Well, thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Kathy, for the question. Uh, if you've got a question for Jessica, send her an email. Her address is jessica at maxlist.org. 
You can also call our listener line, and that's area code 716-JOB-TALK, or post your question on the MaxList Facebook group. And if we use your question on the show, we'll send you a copy of our book, Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment, and when we return, I'll talk with this week's guest expert and prior about why you need a portfolio career and how you can do it. We all know that first impressions matter, and the very first thing a hiring manager sees is your cover letter. That letter gives you a make-or-break opportunity to wow an employer. Yet, too many job seekers squander this chance. They send a cover letter with typos, a sloppy format, and cut-and-paste text. And avoiding these rookie mistakes isn't enough to get you an interview. You also have to tell a compelling story. Sounds complicated, right? In fact, if you follow a few simple rules, you can write a cover letter that stands head and shoulders above the rest. I've created a guide that shows you how to do this. It's called Simple Rules for a Winning Cover Letter. Inside, I explain the ideal content, structure, and style that appeal to hiring managers, and you get examples and templates to follow to write your own winning cover letters. Get Simple Rules for a Winning Cover Letter today. Go to maxlist.org slash cover letter. Start transforming your cover letter today. Again, that's maxlist.org slash cover letter. Now, back to the show. Now, let's turn to this week's guest expert, Ann Pryor. Ann Pryor is a globally recognized online brand strategist and a top 10 LinkedIn trainer. She helps clients stand out, get found, and make meaningful connections for great jobs and profitable businesses. Anne has written more than 10,000 LinkedIn profiles and trained 100,000 people. And she joins us today from Minnetonka, Minnesota. Anne, welcome to the show. Hey, Mac. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's our pleasure. Today, we're going to talk about portfolio careers, uh, what they are, and, and how to get one. But I got to start by asking, 10,000 LinkedIn profiles? That, that's huge. <laughs> you know, I was one of the first to start... LinkedIn online branding back in 2007, Mac, when I got let go from two jobs in 24 months. And I realized the value of that tool to make meaningful connections. And I've been helping people ever since. Well, that's terrific. Uh, and it's, it's important work. And I know it's uh, it's part of that work. You've learned a lot about portfolio careers and you've got a lot to share there. Let's, let's start with the basics, Anne. What's a portfolio career? Great question, Mac. I never knew about it until 2007. My career coach asked me two questions, Mac, that changed my life. Number one, are you self-aware? And number two, what are people coming to you for? I reflected on those questions and I realized I loved variety and I loved flexibility and I loved freedom. And she introduced the portfolio career concept. And if you can imagine, it's uh, like financial portfolios. So you might invest in stocks and bonds, maybe real estate, maybe other investments and CDs. A portfolio career is very similar to that. It's multiple employers. So you have no full-time job. It's part-time or temporary work. Perhaps there's freelance opportunities. There's self-employment. And you do things that you're really interested in. There are four different kinds of buckets. One is giving back, family, leisure, vocation, and then work. Okay. So it's 
like in personal finance, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. And what I'm hearing you say in your career, you don't want to put uh, rely on just one employer alone for your professional success. That's right. Now, Mac, I don't. You probably have seen the um, Society of Human Resources report for 2018, and they have the top ten trends. And one of the top trends is portfolio careers, and another one is work flexibility. So we are seeing this coming to life, and I think it's interesting to know how portfolio careers came about. Can I tell a quick story? Please do. So there's a man named Charles Handy. In the 1950s, he lived in the UK and he worked for IBM. He was a consultant with IBM. He worked with two gentlemen, Michael Hammer and James Campy. Those guys were sales guys. And what they were frustrated with is the fact that it was taking too long to get their commissions because it was taking too long for their customers to get credit. So what they actually did is they walked the floor to find out what is happening in the process? And they got the credit process down from six days to four hours. And because of that, Mac, the re-engineering of society took place. And since then, more than 25 million jobs have been re-engineered out. Well, Charles Handy realized what was going on. He created the term called portfolio careers. And he actually began one back then. He was a college professor. He worked for IBM. He did consulting on his own. He did volunteering and he took care of his parents. So he started that concept and he was the first to write the books about it. So do portfolio careers work for all professions or or just white collar jobs? Tell tell us more about that, Ann. Mm -hmm. Good question. Um, Portfolio careers can work for any profession. What I've found after coaching portfolio careers now for the last 10 years is really millennials, Gen Z, boomers are all over them. Gen X, not quite so much. Any industry, it can work. There there are attributes, though, that um, portfolio careerists are more successful than others that don't have those attributes. Well, what would you say to somebody who who says, you know, I I don't want to line up three different freelance jobs or or have relationships with four different employers. I just want a job. why, why isn't that a good approach, Anne? Um, well, for instance, um, they need to know themselves. So if they know themselves and they know that they just want a job, what I ask them to think about is what is the milestone that you're at in your life? Do you have kids in college that you have to pay uh, the college? Do you have a mortgage yet? So sometimes, Mac, it's not right for people at the right time to have a portfolio career. Other people haven't assessed their values and done self-reflection. So there are different components. If it's not right for them, it's okay. I have coached hundreds of people on portfolio career life, and I have found that people want it, but they're not ready because they're not in the right um, milestone in their life. So what advice would you give to a listener who now understands what a portfolio career is and is interested in exploring it and and perhaps doing it? What's the next step? So I'm going to talk about three things. The first one overarching is know yourself. And in that, it's know your numbers. So meet with a financial planner. Understand where you're at financially. Can you afford to maybe take a step back or sideways for perhaps two years while you're getting jump-started on this? The second one is know your values. Are you risk-averse? Are you um, a self-starter? Do you need security? Are you self-motivated? Do you need benefits? 
Do you like isolation sometimes because that's the kind of life? Are you flexible? Do you like variety? Do you have the skills you need? Do you want personal growth? So those are some value attributes in the portfolio career life. And then the third step is know your characteristics. What are your skills? What are your strengths? What's your subject matter expertise in? So I walk my clients through that values assessment, a skills assessment, and a subject matter expert assessment to see if they would be a right fit. Are there qualities that particularly stand out uh, for people who uh, are successful in portfolio careers that you've seen in the, in the folks you've worked with, Anne? Yes, Mac, the best attributes that I've seen, people who are self-starters, they're motivated on their own. They have great coping skills. Um, people that are resilient, they can bounce back quickly. One of the things, honestly, that was a downfall for me is the organization piece. Um, I'm an abstract, I'm an intuitive feeler. And so the organization stuff, I had to actually hire somebody to do so for me, the scheduling piece. Um, the other thing, Mac, is you can't be a perfectionist in this lifestyle. And so if um, you are, maybe you need to uh, take a step sideways there. High energy is great to be a learner. One of the most important things is that they need to enjoy networking because it's always about, you know, three things in the pipeline at all times. So one of the tools that I coach on is how to create an advisory board and find an advisory board of influencers. And I have an ID33 strategy that I coach my clients on so they get referrals from all those different components of their career. Good. Well, let's talk about both the benefits and the risks of a portfolio career. Let, let's start with the benefits. I think you've touched on a few of these, Anne, but can you tell us uh, what people can expect? Uh, what kind of good things are going to happen if they take this approach? They're going to really enjoy the variety in their life. They're going to be able to use all of their skills. They're going to be able to choose the kinds of people, the kinds of clients that they want to work with. Honestly, there's no boredom in this kind of a lifestyle. Um, they're going to grow personally and professionally. It's a significant benefit. And the freedom feeling is wonderful. So those are some of the benefits okay. in this uh, lifestyle. And what kind of risks should people be comfortable with if they're uh, pursuing a portfolio career? Well, one of the risks is a financial risk up front. And um, if they do not have a steady income coming in. So what I uh, invite my clients to do is actually work somewhere 10 to 20 hours. In 20 hours, perhaps they could get their benefits covered and then they have um, a consistent income in that 20 hours a week. So that would be a risk perhaps is the benefits. Isolation could be another one. Now, that has been overcome quite easily with these co-location workspaces. And so my portfolio careerists rent a space for $70 a month. They can pop in and then they have the uh, social networking that they desire. Are there people that you recommend not consider a portfolio career? It's just not going to be a good fit for them. You know, Matt, the ones I found are the people that are too afraid to take the step and the people who have too much debt and they're looking to the future and they're seeing that they 
cannot pay it off because they need that steady income. It's mostly the financial piece that is uh, precluding people from stepping into the portfolio career life. Well, it's a terrific conversation, Anne. Thanks for laying this out for us. Now, tell us what's coming up next for you. You know, I'm coming out with my Freedom Plan Portfolio Career Life, Be Inspired and Do What Brings You Joy, and that will come out later this fall. Good. Well, I know we'll include a link to your website where people can find you. That's uh, annpryor.com, and that's Anne with an E. And congratulations on the book. I, uh, I, I'm sure it'll be on your website as well, won't it? Yes, it will. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us today, Anne. Thanks, Mac. I really appreciate the time. It's been a pleasure. Take care. We're back in the Maxless studio with Jessica and Becky. Uh, What were your takeaways from my conversation? That was great. She had so many good pieces of information and just um, great tips for, well, an explanation of what portfolio careers are and that um, that it's kind of anyone can utilize it. It's not just for... um, for one specific person or, and I really liked all of her, her um, information about the pros and cons of that kind of, uh, of taking that on of, you know, you have to be aware of kind of what you're entering into. And so that it's, um, I, I, one thing in particular was um, you can't be a perfectionist. I thought that was really interesting. I like that too. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, her focus on making sure that you're financially stable enough to do that because really important. it's completely different. Um, if, I mean, if anybody's ha- has ever been a consultant or been a freelance person, um, you don't have the benefits of benefits mm-hmm. or, you know, just the stable, you know, paycheck every month or every two weeks or however the cycle is. Um, you really do. It, it can fluctuate a lot um, depending on high times or low times or um, whatever. And you do have to sort of focus a lot on that networking side of things. So I thought that that was really good for her to lay all of that out so that people know what they're getting into. Um, so overall it was just, it was just really good. But um, one thing I do want to point out as well is that when she uh, came off the interview and we, um, we weren't recording anymore, but she gave you some very, uh, concrete pieces of advice for your own LinkedIn. She profile. did, didn't she? Yeah. And I, and I think she had a long list, yes. <laughs> which yeah. I'm grateful for. I asked her for the top three. Yes. And what did you two think of the, her three tips? Well, I think that it's, um, I think that and, and they is, they were yeah. that uh, on my LinkedIn profile, and yep. I encourage listeners to go and check it out. Maybe I'll have updated it by the time this airs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she said I, I needed a background photo. That mm-hmm. was a lost opportunity. Yeah. Um, the second was that I was creating lots of media like this podcast, and she couldn't find it on mm-hmm. my LinkedIn page. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, rich and, content. Yeah, and the third was that uh, I needed to make my summary statement more personal and I happen to, she knows I grew up in Eastern Iowa, and of course she's from Minnetonka, and Tonka rather, and she said, well, you, you should talk about that experience. And how it shaped you and yeah. your values that has come out of that. Yeah. Yeah, so it was really interesting, but what I got out of that was that even someone who's one of the most well-connected people in all of Portland and mm-hmm. probably beyond, you have a really robust network, um, but even someone who's who's very well-known in the community 
or in your industry specifically, um, still has room to grow. Like there's oh, yeah. always, there's <laughs> always improvements that can be made to sort of help you, um, share your best story and, and put yourself in that best light kind of a thing. Yeah. So. I welcomed her suggestions. They were spot on. Yeah. They're great. Good. Yeah. I just thought she was so sort of empathetic and warm in the interview. I really appreciated that. Um, and just, um, the advice about like the types of people that are going to do well in a por- portfolio careers are those self-starters and those folks that love variety and love freedom and are willing to sort of go, go take those risks and like enjoy the networking piece. Because I feel like some people, if they don't enjoy that sort of self-starter, they need direction or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they need more structure. They might not thrive in that type of career, but for certain people, it's just like so great. And so, yeah. so like, I think the, the focus on knowing who you are and what you need from your career is really, really central. Yeah, I, I too was glad that she was candid about mm-hmm. the risks of a portfolio career and clear that it's it's not for everybody. But she was did I thought a did a good job of laying out the qualities of people who are successful. Yeah. So it's yeah. a great option to have. Well, I'm looking forward to her book, which is where this show airs in June of 2018. But mm-hmm. the book comes out this fall, and I know it will be on Amazon, and I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. Well, terrific. Well, thank you both. And thank you, Anne, and our listeners, uh, especially our listeners who downloaded today's episode of Find Your Dream Job. Now, don't forget to make the most of your job applications. Learn how to write the perfect cover letter. You can do it. Go to Get Simple Rules for a winning cover letter today. That's our new resources at MaxList, and you can find it at maxlist.org slash cover letter. Again, that URL is maxlist.org slash cover letter. And join us next Wednesday when our special guest will be Nella Barkley. She's the author of The Crystal Barkley Guide to Taking Charge of Your Career. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job. (laughs) ¶¶